The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that educates new and experienced gamers about the joys of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Blueprints, our game of the week, discuss gaming in public in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with our high five gaming experiences. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How's it going, What's Michael? What's happening, Doug? How are you? I am fantastic. Awesome. I think we should just do some intros to our, our new listeners. Uh, you know, we try to do this every 10 episodes or so. So I'm Michael McCabe. I'm an avid gamer. I've been in the hobby for the past five years. Our high five kind of brought me back to that today. I'm a former classroom teacher, middle school principal, um, and now I work at a state education agency and coach high school basketball. I play board games in my free time with whoever will allow me to play <laughs> board games with them. Whoever will play with anyone that will play <laughs> with me. Play yeah. Um, I'm Doug Kotecki. I am a uh, avid gamer as well. I have been in this hobby for Decade 11 plus. years. Yeah. yeah. 11, 12 years at this point. Um, How many different neckbeards in that time? I think that's have a way I seen to, or you, me? Have you grown like None. yourself, like Gandalf? I, really? I've never I, had a neckbeard. I've got two neckbeards in, and then my five years. Okay, ne- never let it grow onto my neck, no. under my under my my chin. But I wouldn't qu- qualify mm. that as a Kyle Orton neckbeard. <laughs> um, I am a business owner, and I, I love to play games with with anyone that will play them. My family as well. Um, and just has, have really enjoyed being a part of this hobby and, and, and meeting new people and sampling all of the different games that are out there. Um, so we're, we're the Game Schooler podcast, and we like to be a, a welcoming landing spot for new gamers as well as experienced gamers, which is, is a hard thing to do because um, a lot of the there's a lot of walls up for new gamers to try and kind of navigate through and, yeah, and the, figure out a way in. A ton of vernacular in the hobby. Right, there's so many different catchphrases and terms, and yeah, and the hobby is really built around terminology and understanding the the shorthand of it. So we're yep. welcome, or we're glad that you're here. Welcome to our new listeners, uh, and for our returning listeners, thanks so much for spending another episode with us, another week with us here at the Game Schooler Podcast. We have a lot of cool stuff to follow up on as well and to share with our listeners. Yeah, go ahead. Fire away. Well, first off, we we now have Discord. Uh, if you go to Game Schooler Podcast on Discord, you can jump right into that. Uh, one of our, our longtime listeners, a very enthusiastic follower, Stefan, is taking the lead on that and put it together. There's already some great threads out there. Um, and so this has been a few weeks in progress and, and really appreciate uh, Stefan taking the lead on that. So any listeners who are in the Discord area, just jump into that. I don't know how involved we'll be. I can tell you I've belonged to the Reiner Kinesia Enthusiast Discord and gotten some gems out of that. And uh, Board Game Barrage, I've been lurking on that for a few months as well. So it was nice to see our logo up. And Michael almost we- <laughs> got fired from his job for hanging out on the... No, no, I would never do that during state time. That is a lie. That's false. That's a bold lie. I, I, that is a bold lie. Uh, but evenings and weekends, sure, I'll be on there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited to see how that develops. Uh, again, I 
it, it seems like a very interesting place for for people to get together and kind of talk about what we're doing and maybe maybe keep it a little bit more positive than than some of the other uh, social media avenues as far yeah, as the, in the board game we can world. Control our own channel. So uh, and now I, I just made a note to myself: never participate in the Discord 6:30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time unless I'm on my duty free lunch. So got to <laughs> keep myself accountable now. All right, <laughs> we'll see how do long you, that lasts. Do you have any follow up on uh, board game accessories? We talked about that last week in our School of Gaming, and I feel like you and I had a conversation off air, but I couldn't pinpoint afterwards the day after we oftentimes michael and i do a day after debrief of game yeah. night and, and podcast and i feel like we talked about some things but i couldn't quite remember what if there's anything specific or not no i am an accessorizer so i i do like different dice and different chips and bits and deluxify and and no i don't think anything specific to your point that you made though in our conversation it's not required to be in the hobby so yeah. I thought that was a really good point, especially for that segment of, you know, for $20, you can get so many great games. And we're going to talk about a few of them, you know, yeah. in, in the West Awesome with Gaming, which is coming up in about 30 seconds. I'm going to touch on one for sure. Um, and But with yeah. – go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the big takeaway, right, is it's, it's cool to – uh, I want to encourage anybody that's interested in upgrading their game any way that they want to feel free to do that. But like you said, it's not a requirement, um, and it's it's on a per person basis. Yeah. And I I I just feel like in the the cautionary part of don't get sucked into that that FOMO Kickstarter hotness of you must have this or you're not going to have a complete game. Yeah. Right. And it's if you want to, great, but don't. <laughs> it's almost like an advisory of like, don't be pressured into spending your money uh, type of thing, right? Yeah, and I think the other piece of that, those those will be out there. Those items, those bits, those games on the secondary market, they'll be available for years to come because I have been pulled in on that. And actually some of that initial um, from 2019 and 2020 of when I was backing, 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 backing are now just getting delivered in 2023, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, like, oh, I did get the deluxe version of this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different, different ways you could go on that. I, I go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I feel like there's been times where I felt like I'm happy I got the deluxe version. There's other times where I'm like, this Mm -hmm. probably wasn't necessary or, you know, it's fine that I have it. So it's like, I've kind of been on both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, and it's certainly a per basis, cost basis scenario of when I'm making those decisions of, and a lot of times it'd be, I'm going up to the next level. We talked about how a lot of my upgrades tend to be about making the game easier to play right. and set up. Mine will be, I'm going to go up to the next pledge if it has a game trays or something like that, where I'm I can get it to the table faster. And a lot of times that inherently also includes some other yeah. deluxe elements. But usually I don't tend to splurge for those unless they they happen to be, especially if I don't know if I'm going to like the game. And I think that's a big thing too, right? If, if you're backing something on Kickstarter and you've never played the game, you have no idea whether you're actually going to like it in practice, spending a whole bunch of extra money up front might be... Yeah, and, right? and not to go into a whole different segment. I, I agree with that. The what I have done more than once, and part of what I shared with you, you know, when we were talking the day right after it went live, um, I'll add accessories after I know this game is staying. Yeah, I, and, I, I'm and not I think giving this away to a child going leaving the house. I'm yeah. not giving this away to a friend for a gift. I'm not trading this. The, yeah. This game is 
firmly in my collection more than once I have then gone on and added an upgrade, a deluxe upgrade, which a I legendary is, upgrade. Yeah, which I think is awesome. Like yeah. if you love a game and you know it's going to be staying around or this is one of our favorite games, we play it all the time. It's like, I want to go get the sleeves because I love this game yeah. so much or whatever it is. I think that's uh, a really cool approach to have to that as opposed to, oh, shoot, I hope I don't miss out. So I, I just wanted to make sure that my words were matching my actions as well because if somebody walked <laughs> through my basement, they're like, wait, 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 you did a whole segment where you were kind of, you came down anti-accessories. Look, you got the deluxe version of this, the deluxe version of that. And yeah. it's like, yeah, so um, yeah. That's, that's the only follow-up from that. All right, what do you got that's awesome in gaming this week? Yeah, Board Game Club is a wrap. We we went October through April at the local middle school here and closed out very strong to our listeners that were wondering. I did not have to chase down the UPS driver on Monday to get the copy of Museum Suspects. It was it was delivered on Sunday. Very excited mm. about that. <laughs> and got it to the table, played it. As soon as we were done, um, a kiddo came in late. So there was a, a big group playing just one behind, and, and they were full at that table. So as you want to try this, Museum Suspects had it all set up. We played it, and I had a few other games set up at other tables. Anything else you see that interests you, let's play again. So right away, I got two games of it in. Um, just a cool little game that I think we'll be talking about more in, a, in an upcoming episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, great game, obviously. Uh, the uh, thing I want to talk about is we, at game night last week, played Role Player Adventures, which is mm. essentially a, a campaign. I don't know if it's technically a legacy game, but certainly a campaign-style game that stretches over multiple play sessions. And one of the things that I want to take about it's a really cool game, very um, story-oriented, thematic, all that type of stuff. I don't want to get into any game. <laughs> yeah, because you spoil it. Gameplay elements or anything like that. The, the part about uh, this game or or the experience that we had that I wanted to point out was awesome is the idea of we were fortunate enough to be playing with our friend Dan, who helped design the insert, was very heavily involved in the playtesting and, and getting this, this project going. Don't you think Dan probably pressured Keith, the main designer, into allowing him to playtest more just so he could play it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Possibly. really. I am available. I will be there Tuesday at noon. We're going to we're gonna play test scenario seven, and then I'm going to do two, then we're going to do three again. But it was nice to have somebody who knew the game and was running us through it. And, you know, so often you and I or... You know, if you're going and playing with your your family, then the burden of rules teaching and doing all of that stuff usually lands on me or you, that type of a thing. And to kind of be able to like sit back Go along and, for the ride and be on autopilot. Yeah, that's and, a great point. And Dan does a really good job of that. Uh, one of the things that didn't make my gaming experience was uh, one time we had played Catacombs, which is a, a dexterity one verse many game. And anybody that knows Dan, he's a, a master dexterity machine. Croaking on world champion. Legitimate. <laughs> Give him a belt. Gen, Gen Con champion. He wanted a Gen Con. Yeah. So he's very good, but he did a, an amazing job of of kind of being that dungeon master and guiding us through it. And he kind of did the same thing with role player adventures. It was really fun. It was nice, like I said, to kind of have that burden of, of rules off. And it was a game that we could just kind of glide into and, and yep. flow. There was no rules checking. Dan pretty much knows everything. So it's nice to um, be that person 
for others, you know, when you go and, and you play and, and you're the teaching it for your family and as, as easy as you can, you know, we've talked in the past on some of our school of gaming segments of better ways to teach and learning how to teach and all that type of stuff. But it's like kind of underappreciated sometimes how cool of an aspect and, and a, a facilitator you can be and, and the experience that that stretches out to the everybody else at the table. Yeah, and it's not something that's always acknowledged with gratitude or thanks. So that, yeah. that's great that you're calling out Dan on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to hopefully playing a few more adventures tonight yeah. after the podcast. It's a great game, incredible game. The claws are in. Yes, they are. Um, one other follow-up thing for me, and it's tied into what's awesome with gaming. Uh, Gamma is next week. It, that is coming up. If you want to give the acronym, because I can't stand acronyms, but is it the Game and Manufacturers Association? Something, something along like those that. lines, yeah. And we here at the Game Schooler Podcast were initially going to go, had media badges and all that, and then work came up. And so I, I can't get away, can't get to Gamma. So I know we have some of the publishers and people that we've reached out to that may be listening. So just know that we will be following up. We look forward to having um, you on the show and future interviews. And good luck to everybody who's making the trip out to Reno. Have a lot of fun out there. Uh, I, I really hope to get to it next March in Louisville. So. Yeah, yep. Anything else that you want to touch just base? I got, I got one more thing, but... Noble Knight, 10% yep. off. Use the coupon code SCHOOLER, S-C-H-O-O-L-E-R, 23 at checkout for about the next month, month and a half, you'll get 10% off. All right. And I'm going to make a special plea here. Um, normally we don't do this, but I, I feel like it's important. And I, if you like what we're doing, consider, you know, taking us up on this task, which is right now nominations are open for the Golden Geek. And I'm asking any listeners of ours that are interested or think that we're doing a good job, go on there and nominate us for, for podcast. Uh, gaming podcast. It's something that you can only win once. So <clears throat> all of the, all a lot of the heavy hitters are out because um, they probably already won it. So maybe this is our year. And if that can increase our listenership, that would be awesome. And we'd love to continue to be spreading a positive message about board gaming out into the universe. So if, if you're so inclined, go out there and nominate us for a Golden Geek. Uh, that'd be really awesome. If you have any other questions, uh, or comments, feel free to reach out to us and email us at email at gameschooler.com. Again, email at gameschooler.com if you want to chat with us or stop by the Discord server and and hopefully there's some people there that will will help answer any questions about, I played this game, what should I play next? Or I've got these many people and these ages, what's a good game fit? You know, things like that. If you want to talk about what we're you know, what we missed on our high five, what we should have mentioned, things like that, feel free to stop over there. And uh, we love interacting with you guys. So we appreciate that. Spread the word about the podcast. Now let's move on to the game of the week. The game of the week. The game of the week is an in-depth look at a family-friendly game we think you should try if you get the chance. This week's game is Blueprints. Doug, give us the stats. All right. Published by Z-Man Games in 2013. The designer is Eve Tourigny. Uh, the art is by Philip Guerin and Chris Quilliams. Two to four players. 30 minutes. 
Board game, uh, the publisher says 14 plus. I have to look at the back of the box. They do say 14 plus. Keep going because okay. I know where you're going. <laughs> Board Game Geek has it at 8 plus. Which I disagree. I attempted to play this with my seven and a half year old today who can play most 8 plus, And she was like, no. So, so the back of the box I have says 13 plus. The latest uh, version that I have has 14, 14 plus okay. on the box. So yeah. apparently people were chewing the dice. 13-year-olds were chewing the dice. And they had well, to, we'll get into it because I have that as one of the things of, of where I think it fits best. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think a little bit higher than eight. Yeah. Uh, the complexity is 1.69 out of five. So easy to teach, easy to learn. Uh, in Blueprints, players are architects who over three rounds will complete to win architectural, architectural prizes and awards for their construction projects. Each round, each player will erect a building according to their own randomly assigned blueprint using the four types of building materials that are represented by dice. Each of these building materials scores differently, and the players get a score bonus if they follow their blueprint precisely. But the different prizes may require them to improvise and deviate from their plan. The player with the most points from prizes and awards at the end of the game wins. So in this game, each blueprint card shows one building in in both a top-down and isometric view, and the dice are placed directly on the spaces on the top-down view. The number in each space indicates the height of dice in the building in that space. So if there's a one, that that section of the building only goes one high, but if there's a two next to it, that's going to have two dice stacked on top of it in order to complete that blueprint. On your turn, you select one die from the pool of available building materials and place it on your blueprint card. Uh, Dice may be placed on an empty space of your blueprint card or on top of a previously placed die of equal or lower value. So the higher your dice go, the higher the value facing up needs to be. So if I have a one down on the bottom floor, that's great because I can put a one or a two on top there. If I put a six on the ground level, I can only put six on top of that. So it's and, uh, and there, there's them. a very hard rule of a dice played is a dice stayed. You <laughs> yes. cannot move or relocate the dice or, or die or, well, next time I think I'm going to move this over here. No. Yep. And so then each die is scored individually. Um, so the orange dice, which are representing wood, they score two points for each adjacent dice to them. So dice next to sharing a side with an orange die are going to add two points to the value of that orange die. Green dice, which act as recycled materials, score based on the number of green dice in your building. So the more green dice, the more recycled material your building is made out of, the more points you'll get from those. Uh, The black represents stone, and they score based on how high they are in the building. So the higher you can put stone in your building, the more points that they're worth. And the clear, uh, which represents glass, are scored with the value of the top face. You so, get the pips that are on top no matter what. Yep, if you're so looking down at one, five, or six, you're going to get the one, five, or the six. For each for each mm-hmm. glass. So then uh, once everybody, each, each blueprint requires six dice. So once everybody has drafted six dice, uh, and you're building your dice, uh, your blueprint behind a screen, so nobody knows exactly what you're doing or how you're building it, you are going to reveal your buildings. You get a six-point bonus if you built your building according to the blueprint, and then you're going to score all of your dice, depending on how they score. And then whoever has the most points based on the dice and any bonuses that they have for a completed project or whatever is going to get the the award for that round. There's uh, Depending on the number of players, there's a gold, silver, and bronze 
So if you're playing with all four players, you're going to use a gold, silver, and bronze for first, second, and third. Then at the end of the round, those all kind of reset, and you build another blueprint, yep. and you go through that process again. There are also some special awards that you can get. They call them, yeah. Um, that are... Uh, they're prizes. They're called prizes. So, for example, if you have a building that has a, a height of five or gra- greater, you're going to get the skyscraper. You are, and that's worth two two points at the end of the game. You can get um, a structural integrity prize, which is a building includes four or more dice with identical value. There's a geometers prize, which is a building that includes values uh, dice with all the values one through six. And a materials prize, which the building must include five or more dice of the same color. But each prize can only go out once per round, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and, and then there's a tie. If there's a tie for those, so say Michael and I both um, build a skyscraper with a, a five dice high, then there's these... Um, Two dice that you select at the beginning of the round serve as tiebreakers. And yeah, one's in, 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 in the in first demand. spot and yep. one's in the second spot. Those are the materials that so are that, highest that, in demand. It's uh, a great little tiebreaker. Resolves ties. And then so then you're going to take all those reward or award cards and prize cards and add those up at the end of the game. And that's what determines the winner, not whoever built the best building during a round. So I think that's one of the kind of the neat things about this game is I like that it kind of resets every round. So if you just have a, a, a really bad building, it's not screwing you up for the whole game. Like you, it gives you a little variance of, I can have a, a good building and a really good round and an okay round, and I still might win. So you're saying right. the punishment is short term. You get chances to to reset and, and keep moving yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah I it, like that. It's not, it's not one of those things where, it's a cumulative thing. So my first building was, I only got 10 points out of it. It was right. hot garbage. It's like, okay. We're going forward because of the prizes are two points and then other two-point bonuses, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The other thing, the, so I think one of the reasons why I really like Blueprints, in a game that plays in just 30 minutes, there are so many features of this game that make me feel smart. <laughs> where if I get the right amount of dice in the right location, it might not be the right materials, but if I have one built here and two built in the middle and then two built next to it and one on the outside and I've got all six exactly where they are, six points, automatic six points. I feel smart. And if I can get some of the combinations, um, if I, I'm watching what other players are doing and thinking that I know what they're doing behind their screen, um, I really like that uh, feature of the game. There's multiple opportunities where I where it just connects and where, yeah. where I feel like I'm I'm doing something where I feel smart. And I haven't always brought that to the table here at the Game Schooler podcast, but it definitely is a feeling. I don't know if that's dopamine or what's being checked off in my brain, but where I feel like I got the right answer. And it's not just one time at the end of a big two-hour Euro where it's like, yes, I had the perfect turn and I built towards that turn 45 minutes ago. No, it's the, the game is moving. I love the pace of it, the yeah. tempo, and, and there are those feel-good moments throughout the game. Well, and is that part of it too, that like if you have a bad round, it doesn't linger? I, I and- think your point carries into what I'm I'm yeah. saying too. Yeah, yeah. It, nothing lingers. It, no. it moves so quickly. Yeah, I, I think the it's very interesting how well we talked about this last week um, when we were talking about Birds of a Feather. But this is another game that does really well um, carrying over theme. Yep. In such a cool way, without clunking you over the head, and without 
like limiting it to being like, oh, this is just an abstract game about stacking dice. Like the way that the colored dice stand for represent a different item and then the way that you use them. It's like, yes, wood is very structural. It needs to be around other stuff yeah. and combines everything. And of course, you get more points if you build everything recycled. That's awesome. You know, you're helping out the environment. And how can you get that stone in the air? Yeah. And if you have a whole bunch of windows and the glass and how, you know, so it's like those thematic elements and, and you see the little blueprint and you feel like you're making a little building. Uh, you know, behind the screen, it really works with such simple components. Yeah. And I think what helps that is the rule book. The rule book is so straightforward. Yeah. It's clean. There, There's a, a great little art direction to it where you're brought in. Okay. These are the materials that are in this small box. You open it up and then it's going to tell you what setup is. And I think from a teaching and learning standpoint, Figuring out scoring is actually one of the the longest teaching aspects of the game. And if I were to do this, teach this game at Board Game Club or to other people's kids, I'd say, I'm going to explain scoring to you now, but then we're going to all go over it again as a group at the end of the first round. That might even be how you taught me the game when we played a year, two years ago the first time. Um, well, and I think it is something that when you are scoring out each player's buildings, it kind of helps to go person by person and like, and the rules suggest item by item. Yeah. So we're so going like, to score out the wood right now. What do you have for wood? And you just kind of keep track of those four, four yeah. different materials. I just, I just think the rule book's fantastic. We used to talk about that in earlier uh, podcast episodes and this really stood out to me today because I had to refresh the rules. It'd been a while since I would gotten into the table Yeah. and I just, thought man it came back so quickly doug you know within four minutes it's like i'm ready to play let's get somebody let's play blueprints before recording the show tonight yeah i mean i love the the die the the drafting it's such a unique combination of the drafting and the placing Mm -hmm. because you're balancing on every turn you're balancing what color is the dice and and the way that the dice are laid out there's so many that are pulled out from the bag to start you roll all those dice, so those numbers are set. So if it's a green four, it's going to stay a green four. You don't draft a die and re-roll it and see where it's going to go. And then after you take one, you're going to pull one out of the bag to replace it, yep. roll it, and, and fit it out in the line for people to pick from. But every time you're taking a dice, you're balancing what color is it, You know, do I want that color, what the value is on the die, where I can legally place it, Sometimes you can't. <laughs> and what are the scoring opportunities by where I'm placing it and, and how I'm placing yeah. it? Yeah. And that sounds complicated that I, I just said that there's three or four things that you need to keep track of every time you draft a die, but it doesn't bog down. No. Is That's the surprising part I, where it's I mean, like- My only caveat, I have not played this at four, and I have I, not played this with non-gamer. This, maybe, this I, works with okay, every, every okay, player. So I'm, I'm glad that you yeah. have- uh, the, the other thing about the drafting, there's a very cool two-player variant that I love the competitiveness. Some podcast hosts may call it meanness, but I would say competitiveness where in the two-player variant, you draft a die and then you discard a die. Yeah. And so you it has that little maneuvering of, oh, I'm going to take this stone. I'm going to take remove this black die and then I'm going to discard the other black die. But when you do that, two more dice come out of the bag. So the table is changing over, and you're seeing almost 
all of the dice in yeah. that, and I, I really enjoy that two-player variant as well. So it's just a little tweak. I mean, not enough to call it an expansion. Certainly a variant that uh, has made the game enjoyable in my house. Well, and I think, so I've got the skill of, of observation in this game, you know, kind of keeping an eye on what other players are doing. And this is one of those that I think is very manageable to kind of keep, you don't know where they're placing stuff, but it's like, if I see you drawing green die, green die, green die. got to disrupt the green rhythm. I got to have to start taking them. And I think that the, what would normally be called hate drafting in a game, uh, in a drafting game. I think we just defined hate drafting. Yeah, Yeah. which is (laughs) taking something that is going to help somebody else before they can take it. I think this game has that, but it works in a way that, that keeps people honest. Yeah. Like it's um it's not a crushing thing. It's not like, oh, your whole plan was built on this and I'm gonna take the last one and then it's it's gonna be a house of cards. No, it's it's a very um defense, offense defense type of yep. a of a yep. drafting There's... that is unique to to this game, I think. Um and I, I like that. I like that you can keep track where there's only four building materials and you can keep track of what people are taking. It's like, oh, he just keeps taking these these stone ones. Maybe he's just going straight after that skyscraper bonus and he's just trying to score a whole bunch of points up too. Yeah. You know, and so that, it's it's so weird that there is a game that has that type of hate drafting in it that doesn't seem... Because even even in the even in the two player one that you're talking about, when you take an extra die and throw it away, but the randomness like, of drawing two more out of the two bag more coming out, that's I like, mean, I feel smart. It's almost a little surprise. Like, yeah, oh, it's okay, like, well, go ahead, take that, but we'll see what comes yeah, out. If the, you might replace it with something even better. Unless, it's like, yeah. oh, you took a, a glass four that you thought I was going to use, and now a glass six comes out. Exactly, um, and and that's where the only nitpick that I have, if you are playing with people who count cards for fun at the weekend on Vegas, <laughs> they're going to know what's coming out of that bag because, yeah. and that's not a nitpick for the game schooler podcast. I mean, most of the time that that's a good thing, but there's eight of each die um, in there, 32 total. So you can kind of keep track what's going on. So if you're a super experienced gamer playing with, um, brand new gamers, you, you can crush on people a little bit. And that that's not, I don't think that's always a bad thing either. Um, I'll, I'll give this game some praise. This is one that I had on my want and trade list for a long time. And then within the last, I don't know if it's month, month and a half, I finally bit the bullet because it, it was a, it was under $20 when yeah. I got it. And yeah. I was like, I, I want this game, in my collection. I'm tired of asking Doug to play it off of his shelf. I'm going <laughs> to get this game. And I've been very um, conscious of my my game purchases in the year 2023, and this was one that I happily added uh, to to the family collection. It's one that I, I look forward to taking into Board Game Club and showing others how to play. It's fun. It's easy to teach. It truly is a 20-minute game most times. Um, I think even with the teach, the setup, the takedown, it's certainly 30 minutes back in the box. Yeah. The other skill that I, I think is really evident in this one is spatial perception, um, which is figuring out how to arrange your dice to maximize points. You know, you you have to decide where you're going to place it. Can you place it high? It's that whole whole type of All thing. Right. That That's why I don't think this is 8+. plus. 
So what you just talked about, that's where I think oh, this sure. is more of a 10, 11 year uh, yeah, old 10, skill. 10 is definitely a starting point. 10 is a starting this. point because of how stone scores out and stacking five up high. And it's not just the cognitive awareness and that spatial awareness. Some of it's a fine motor skill too. Yeah. I mean, you get seven year olds stacking dice and, and knowing that this color operates that way. Um, you know, the, the, explaining the difference between the wood and the stone. Um, I do think this is more of a 10-year-old entry and then that teenager just takeoff well, point. Well, and not not even being able to keep track of, like, if you're playing with an 8-year-old and they've got their screen set up, it's like you can't do those friendly checks to make sure that they're placing a, a die. And they won't let you. That, you they, know, that, they, they will call you out as being a cheater. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's like, okay, well, that's great. You think, you know, I'm, I'm cheating, but you've just placed a 1 on top of a 4 on top of a 6, which is... Illegal. Illegal. <laughs> you know, so you can't can't do that kind of friendly helping. So that's where I think you you're right. You gotta get to that that ten plus. I would allow my seven year old to do that. I would just give her a zero points when it comes yeah. time to scoring like, out. I'm gonna get whatever you want. <laughs> All right. And what uh what do you think as far as best fit? Yeah, I think this is truly um uh, a 12 year old plus anywhere uh but this is a family game night this is for introductory gamers this is an add-on game um there are a lot of dice so it's not one that i would take to a restaurant or on the beach you know you want to have a good table playing inside but man it, it just fits in so many different settings how about yeah. you i got the same i think it's a great like family game night once everybody knows how to play it um this is a a game that I think is similar to like an Azul where it's got that yeah. next level of there is stuff behind the curtain. And once people are playing it more and more, you can kind of exploit that. And I can really see people having fun with it um, and not. And that drafting element makes it interactive enough that I think as people are familiar and you're playing this with a family, it's like, oh, don't you dare take that glass. Right. Like the personality starts to come out. And I think it's a great for a game game group game it, too it does limit it four players though right there's yes. no fifth player expansion no, not or that anything i'm aware like of, no. that yeah yeah, nope. yeah okay just want to check in on that i should have done my own research today it plays great at two it plays great at three i have not played it yet at four um so those those are my thoughts on blueprints and i'm glad that you brought up the spatial perception that was um that was good the one that i had is processing information just that a game in which players must examine or analyze information you're from the time this starts you're constantly analyzing what's next what's next what's next what's next and yeah yeah so that is a, a game we think that you you should try out if you get the chance that is uh blueprints by z-man games which is available now so uh if you're interested give it a try and let's move on to the school of gaming The School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keyword etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming. This week, we'll be discussing how to game in public. This is a great intro, Michael. It had a little bit of soul, a little bit of Tried fat to bring Albert. It. Tried to bring it. <laughs> a little bit of everything there. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting one because, full disclosure, I, I mean, I've got some ideas on things to do, but outside of a convention or a hotel lobby, I have never gamed in public. Coffee shop. 
we played power failure oh, at a did. coffee shop, but that, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to lead you. I, you take the lead on this one. Okay. So the first thing is one: you have to have fun. If you're gaming in public, and if you want to be serious, you're going to scare people. And it, when we get into our high five, I think that point will make sense. So, dear listener, just hold on to that. Ooh, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, be prepared for people to ignore you. Although you are playing board games in public, people generally, by and large, don't care. So if it's your first time and you're playing at a library or you're playing at a coffee shop or you're playing at some school or at a place that is hosting a gun show or whatever's going on in your small community. You know where I'm talking about. Tri-County Coliseum, they got the gun show and you're playing board games. Sounds right like next a to very it. Wisconsin thing <laughs> yeah. to say. Um, if you're in the Northwoods. Just, just know that it, most people aren't going to actually care what you're doing. Uh, and then the third thing, though, because I am a noisy gamer. I get excited. I, I I talk a little banter back and forth. You have to be aware of noise, um, and that that comes from you know I think playing with kiddos and and just how loud things can get. Uh, even just played a, a game of root in a hotel lobby not that long ago, and we got the the old shh. You really need to keep it down. Like yeah. what? It's it's like December 29th. Who who's gonna worry? And so. Yeah. Um, th- those are just my first three big takeaways of have fun, be prepared to be ignored. It's not that big of a deal and then be aware of the noise so that yeah. it doesn't become a big deal. Yeah. My big one is, is the first thing I thought of is like, don't be obnoxious. Like, and I think that's in your, in your noise part. It's like, be aware of where you're at. There's a difference between sitting at a bar and playing a, a dice game yeah. and sitting at a library or, uh, a coffee shop or something and, and the way that you may approach how you carry on in a game and just kind of be aware of your surroundings. Like don't be that, that group that's in the corner hooting and hollering and everybody's like, I, I please, I can't wait till they leave. Like, I'm not saying don't have fun, but just be yeah. aware and, and considerate of where you are. Yeah, that's a fine line, isn't it? Between having fun and being obnoxious. I know I have walked that line many a day in my life. Um, so that, that's a really good point. The only other thing that I will say for advice from a game standpoint, if the game can fit easily into a backpack and even easier into a purse or little bag, that is probably a better game than the quote unquote big box game. Yeah. Because games that have components that are cards that have pads that can be written on them that have a few dice, um, those are games that can be pay- played in public easily. If they don't yeah. have a large board, if they don't have a lazy Susan that you have to set down <laughs> or a tableau, I mean, um, that's just, I think it's obvious, but that's what I look for if I know like, hey, we're, we're going to a hotel and the hotel has a pub that's attached, so I'm going to grab these three games. Yeah, that's the other thing I wrote down too was uh, being aware of your time and space constraints. So it's like, if you're going to a restaurant and you're trying to fill up the time uh, between ordering and getting your food, it's like you don't set up a big sprawling game that then you know the the server comes and they've got your apps and you're like oh go where all right let's slide this over we're like, doing the Belfare expansion <laughs> on the complete collection of Everdell no you yeah. need to go back out to the van and get the other side of the board so ah. it's like it's like like you said it 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 seems like something that you shouldn't have to say but it it becomes that thing it kind of reminds me of. Um, when we talk about, you know, 
visiting family for the holidays and, and packing 8,000 games when you're only going to play one. Like, I know you're excited about whatever game that you want to bring to the table, but really have an honest conversation with yourself of, is there time? Is there space? Is this something I can pick up and put away quickly for whatever reason, whether it's our food comes or that type of thing. And, or if you're in a hotel lobby and it is quiet and it is later at night and it's like, yeah, maybe you can afford to, to put down kind of a, a Euro game and and spend two hours and just, and let them know like, Hey, I'm Hilton honors over here. So you better (laughs) let me flash that card. But, But the, the logic behind the backpack, Doug is this, what are other activities that people do in public and largely get ignored? Read a book, work on a laptop, and that's where that's some of a similar logic with if I get out a game like Silver and Gold, which is one that I've played in public a lot, right? Small box game we covered, I think, in episode 19, but I might be off there. might have been 16. I think 16 was King of Tokyo, but I should keep moving. A Point Salad is another game that you and I have played in, in a public-ish setting and taught people how to play. Those are games that are similar to taking a book out of a backpack or even laptop or tablet type thing out of a But those people also aren't interacting with, like, if you're reading a book, unless you're constantly laughing because it's a hilarious book, you're not really making noise or just... No, that's a good point. You know, it's like, if I'm over at my my laptop clickety-clacking and going, oh, this is a good one, this is juicy, you know, everybody's going to be looking at You're getting ready to go back into stand-up comedy again, huh? Nobody will ignore you. Um, The other interesting thing is... Uh, although I have not done a lot of gaming in public, the one thing that I have done quite a bit of is we go to Texas Roadhouse. You have a, a four-hour wait before they can seat you at the yes, table. Yes, you do. Uh, is a great place for pass-and-play apps on your phone. Yeah. So, like, even when I was in Disney World and we were waiting in line, uh, me and my oldest daughters were playing Dream Home on my phone just passing it around. It's like a great way to fill time. And you know what? They called our table, boop, phones Pause. away, and yep. we're going to eat, and nobody cares if you finish the game or not. Like, Yeah, you can't really do a Sushi Go or a Point Salad or a Silver and Gold while you're waiting in line. No. You do no. need it. So that, <laughs> oh, I dropped that, all the cards. But you, you do need a place. You need a place in a setting to yeah. at least do the so game. I, th- I think so. that's a good little al- alternative for if you want to do that you want to game while you're waiting or something there are a lot of great apps like uh star realms and potion explosion like, is great that yeah. you did, uh, even ticket to ride my first journey uh i played that with my kids while we're on an airplane or waiting like so there are a lot of opportunities to play other games that don't require the setup and and take down and all that type of stuff so kind of a cool alternative uh, anything else you want to add to that that topic? No, I think we covered a lot of it. And if people want to know more, Button Shy makes several uh, games that are just 18 cards. They fit in what they call a wallet. It's just this little envelope thing. I keep two of them in my backpack at all times. Uh, just you to, want to play a game? <laughs> well, I've gotten better at that. Two years ago, <laughs> that's exactly what it would have been. Sprawlopolis or Tussie Mussy, you tell me you want to go or the rice field one. We can do that one too. Uh, but there are so many options out there now for people who are very enthusiastic about playing games. Yep. All right. So that is some ideas on gaming in public. Not a long segment, but hopefully you got some good information on there. And if you want to chime in on the, the Discord about that one, uh, if you've got any ideas or thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Um, then, without uh, further ado, let's move on to the high five this week. 
if you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. And this week, Michael and I are going to talk about our high five gaming experiences. Um, I've, atta- I've attached all of my experiences to a game, although some of them may branch over multiple games. There's just kind of maybe one representative game. Um, do you want to f- fly through any? Do you have any honorable mentions? So I brought six to the party, but the last one you're going to get to choose, like a choose your own adventure style, which one to listen to. So no, okay. I, I think we're good. I, okay. I just I've, couldn't decide between that one spot, so I put them both in there. Okay, I've got uh, a couple of high fives that I want to talk about, um, and I'll do them now because there's probably not going to be any crossover. Um, but one of them is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Like every time I played that, I didn't want to put on another high five, but my family and everybody I've introduced has had such a good time playing that game. And the, the, it's one of those that the reaction is always the same every time. There's never a, a, a time where I pulled that out and it landed flat and you're like, hmm, yeah, that was not the experience. Like okay. everybody's no, hooting and hollering. Um, another one is Time Stories, which is a, a narrative game um, where you are going into the past it's almost like quantum leap the game and you're trying to write some wrong that happened. And they did a whole bunch of them and the series kind of drifted off as far as like quality and stuff. But some of my first playthroughs of the first couple of scenarios, I have memories of things that happened in that game that I will remember awesome forever, you know? So just great storytelling and, you know, funny things that happen like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And then it actually happens and everybody's laughing and, uh, just great experiences there. That's awesome. Um, so go ahead. I yeah, I might have taken this list a different way. We could have two very different lists here. We uh, we didn't do a whole lot of communication ahead of time, and um, we'll see where it goes. I, I I almost have like five different stories here for the okay. high five. Well, so. I've got stories attached to good, all of mine, but good. they're also games. And the last one I want to talk mm-hmm. about is Noble Knight, which is um, when I first got into the hobby, I picked up a lot. So like. Ticket to Ride was one of my first games, and I'm like, well, I don't know anything about gaming, but it seems like this Days of Wonder makes good games. Yeah. And so I picked up like Coliseum, Mystery Express, Shadows Over Camelot, all used from Noble Knight when I first got into gaming. And so that's very memorable to me. Dearest listeners, do you see how Doug just slipped in Shadows Over Camelot used? That game right now is going for <laughs> $200-plus dollars out and there. I probably so. got it for $30, well done, 35 Doug. Yeah. So, all right, Michael. So what do you got at number five? Yeah, number five for me, this experience just happened a few weeks ago at Board Game Club, and that was just one. And if you want to hear more about the game, you can check out episode 21, where it was our game of the week. Most games play two to four players, right? And one of the gamers was running into the classroom, sat down at the table. He kind of had a sad face. He was very surprised that, no, we can play. All six of us at the table can play this game right now here. And I had just gotten done teaching it. Um, That's a game that goes up to seven players. And not only that, but here's what made it such a memorable gaming experience and, and had kids playing for an hour straight. So, and we've talked about this at length, but in just one, if you're trying to have a person guess a clue and you only give them the one word, right? And so you write down the one word, hence just one, and they try to guess a clue by looking at all the clues that are out on the table. Doug, what happens if the same word is written down? They are erased. They are erased Those clues and canceled. Are not relevant. And twice in this game, somebody came in from the hallway because we would send the person out the hallway to see one word 
looking at them and <laughs> and have to try to guess it. And the excitement, the enthusiasm, the what I wrote down in my notes, the screaming, cheering, and jeering, it was a blast. You know, 12, 13-year-olds just having a ton of fun in a middle school setting. Uh, and it wasn't one that I expected. You know, somebody picked the game off the table, said, yeah, let's try this. And, and it was just that joy of gaming that we talk about with our What's Awesome Gaming. It, it happened. And uh, that was one that happened recently that I wanted to hold on to. Awesome. Yeah. It's funny you say something about a game that plays a lot of players because that leads into my number five, uh, which is Seven Wonders. Mm. And when I had first gotten into gaming, um, Seven Wonders was fairly new. Um, and I had, I had gotten it and I had played it with my brothers and it went over terribly. Really? Like, like it was. Have you told this story before? It was a bad teach. It was. My brothers are very analytical. They couldn't understand the concept. Well, of, and they're older brothers, so they yeah. probably weren't too kind to yeah, your teach. Yeah, stupid, dumb brother <laughs> teach, teaching me this. Family friendly. This game. Um, but later that year, I went down for Christmas uh, to my wife's side, and we played Seven Wonders with seven players. The teach went fine, and there was this awesomeness to be playing a game with seven people and a a gamer game, you know, not not a basic. Uh, it wasn't a party game, and it was yeah. like sitting around and and like I just remember marveling of like this is really cool that we have seven people, six, you know, five or six that were completely new to the game playing it and everyone having a blast. I think we played it two or three times and it moved fast and, and people were picking it up and it was just an awesome experience to, like I said, be playing a game that wasn't a party game with a large group of yeah. people uh, was a really cool experience early in my my hobby dumb. Awesome. And that's episode 28 where that was our, our game of the week. Doug, I had no idea about your initial experience with that. And I know that's one of your favorite games. So that that's such a cool story and a cool game. Um, should I move on to number four? So juxtaposed to happy times at the local middle school running board game club and everyone being happy, this, this is called finding the right family game group. Um, <laughs> When my wife and I were dating, we would play a lot of games with people and party games, and Taboo came to the table. Um, <laughs> I am hyper-competitive, and this game went so far off the rails that I ended up using some inappropriate language, shall we, shall we say, on the Game Schooler mm. podcast to my brother-in-law and my <laughs> sister-in-law's uh, college roommate, and to this day... I I think there was some trauma, some some. I'm not gonna say that it was straight up verbal abuse, but that group of people does not want to play games with me. Oh, you know they 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 really so this is a- <laughs> they really don't. So juxtapose that with my I, other brother-in-law. I wasn't planning on putting my, negative gaming. I know, I know. But juxtapose that with my other brother-in-law and other family who I play root and play Catan with at the holidays, uh, folks. You just want to find the right. Game group in your family. Yeah, just that. make sure you're not giving uh, <laughs> so, P- PTSD well, to uh, fellow gamers. One was, and, and Doug, 
it's almost 20 years ago. It's crazy to look back at something like that, right? Because one is like 19-ish, 18 years ago. Michael, and, you and, being uh, competitive, that doesn't sound like you. So we grow over time. We get better over time. But the, the title of this is um, Top 5 or Most Memorable Gaming Experiences. Which it was high five high gaming five experiences. Gaming. So, so this is a, this is one of I, Michael's favorite things is being so no. competitive that he turned people off from gaming. No, so my my number four is I have found the right game group within learning. my family. Learning, uh, yes, <laughs> number four. Yeah. All right. I'm wondering if if number my number four will make it onto your list, um, but this is on the list as um, my co- our COVID game. Oh, so yeah. I put Dice Throne Adventures oh. on there of, you know, when we were in those small groups, you could only meet with, with a hand, handful of people. And, and Michael and I got together and played a ton of Dice Throne Adventures. It was just an awesome experience where, you know, we'd, we'd report, record the podcast and it was like, do you want to play another one? Should we? And we'd play mm-hmm. one. We, oh, you want to do it again? Let's, let's play the next thing. And we went through that campaign twice. Yeah. <laughs> all the yeah. way, all the way, all through. the way through, and it was just a great, uh, positive, bright spot in an otherwise crappy time in human yep. history. Um, so I will always remember that, and certainly one of my high five gaming experiences. And I did reach out to Roxley and request some some swag. So I don't know if that'll ever arrive, but if headquarters ever gets an order and you open it up, why is there a black shadow thief shirt and a barbarian and paladin and, shirt? And ladies small. <laughs> I, I, no, you've got the schmedium. I've got the adult large. I uh, The shadow thief is mine. The other two are yours. So I did okay. put in that order, okay. Roxley. But uh, All right. uh, no, it didn't make my list. Gosh, that I'm just shows it, how many- glad it was Memorable for me, but not for you. No, it was incredibly uh, memorable. I, I just uh, so another recent one, and, and some of these are very recent. And then my one and two, I went to the Wayback Machine, but uh, we got into a game here right around the turn of the new year. Sorry, century. as I stalled. It's the turn of the century. Look at my notes, and um, there was a game that was on the hotness. Doug picked up a copy of Heat Pedal to the Metal. And I was coming around the turn, and it came down to the <laughs> final card, and the final card came out, and I won. And there was this feeling of satisfaction, like I had actually won a race. <laughs> like I was actually driving a car or doing something. A card flipped out. And at the table, there was just a wonderful, playful, uh, like you even said, oh, really good game. And, and Dan might have said, like, that was a nice card. And it was just this feeling that how could an abstract game with cards and plastic bits take us there? Take <laughs> grown men to that place where we you were, handled that corner like, well. Yeah, thank you. And so that I, I had the victory arms in the air, um, and, and that that just happened very recently as well. So that's my number three is is being victorious in the, in the final card of heat, but also what that represents is we're three years into this game schooler journey, you know, we're a hundred and some odd episodes now, 115 episodes in and still having those moments of wonder and joy as a game group after we record the podcast, that, that gives me hope of what we're doing here. Just that continue to learn and grow. So well, notice how Michael's as Michael gets towards the top, his are all about him winning. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I've only got five of them. That's why Dice Throne Adventures didn't make it because of cooperative dungeon crawl. We won one together. He couldn't share it. (laughs) 
That barbarian king was all you, Doug. All right. So the, uh, my number three, I'm interested. So how far back are your top two? Very far back? Wait, far wait, enough. But, Keep going, though. Okay. You won't. You won't. So I'm interested to see. I, I, I want a little bit of your story on this as well. Um, the, the game I wrote down for number three is Abandon All Artichokes. Yeah. And uh, we had a game night scheduled, and there happened to be a snowstorm. And throughout the night, we kept saying to Michael, it was, it was my brother-in-law, me, and Michael playing games. And it was one of those where we started at noon and we were playing all day. I actually left to coach a high school basketball game and came back. Did I don't you? know if you remember that. <laughs> no. yeah, 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 we had a great game. And then, oh, now I do, because I played Marvel <laughs> Champions with Neil. Um, and so Michael comes back, and it's like 10 or 11 o'clock. And we're like, Michael, it's, the weather's getting kind of bad out there. You should probably, no, nah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't know. And he's, his wife is texting him. He's like, yeah, it's getting pretty bad out there. Michael's, no, I'm fine. Meaning there's a blizzard or snowstorm to people <laughs> yeah. who aren't yes. aware of snow. Yeah, so there's a there's a full-on blizzard going on. And finally, Michael's like, all right, I should probably head. And how far out of my driveway did you make it? 12 to 15 feet. And maybe. stuck. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going anywhere. And I and couldn't get back in the driveway. So we finally got you back into the driveway. Mm-hmm. And then it was decided that, well, I guess you're stuck here. And we decided to play until three, <laughs> two or three in the morning. It was like, well, we're just playing. Artemis Project. And I, I, mean, don't, I don't remember what came out afterwards. The only thing I remember is like, Waking up at seven or eight o'clock, and we played a game of abandon all artichokes while we were waiting for it to stop before we could go out and actually snow blow to get rid of the stuff. Well, here, here's the crazy thing, folks. I I'm a lark. I'm a morning person. I mean, five fifteen, five forty five, four forty five, whatever the alarms normally set for. I'm up. Let's go. Let's attack the day. Doug is known as as a sleeper inner. I, all that I remember is waking up in your basement, you were on full-on regalia, like excited to go plow the driveway. I'm not going to say you had a snowmobile suit on, but in my memory, which I know I'm misremembering because there's no way you own a full onesie snowmobile suit, you're, you're in your full onesie snowmobile suit ready to go plow the driveway so that that chore could be done so that we could play more games. <laughs> so it was a... It was a memorable experience. Yeah. And I, it reminded me of, it, it was one of those things where it's like, if you could go back and be 15 again without responsibilities and a, and a car and anything like that, is kind of how that day ended up working out where it's like, I felt like, of, you know, like when my kids go to sleepovers now and, and you hear them talking, it's like, we're going to stay up until midnight. And it's like <laughs> this big, huge deal. And that was like, like the the boys are in the basement and mom's bringing down the Totino's pizza rolls is how I felt. And it was like this awesome little flashback into, into my teenage years of like, of course we're going to game until three in the morning. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I'm going to add on to that because that's what I, I didn't know which direction to go with my one, but I just wrote game binge. Anytime we can play 12 games in 30 hours, whether now, are it's you a, skipping over your number two? Uh, no, that, um, yeah. Oh, okay. But I'll, I'm adding on here. Okay. I, I love that, yeah. though, but I'll digress. Keep okay. going. Uh, my number two, about six months ago, I went through Guild of Merchant Explorers <clears throat> solo. Excuse he won. me. Excuse he won, me. guys. Spoiler uh, alert. <laughs> Guild of Merchant Explorers solo to better understand how the game worked. Because the first time you and I played, I was like, I, there's... I got the rules. I understand the mechanics, but there's something that I didn't get about the game, and it bothered me. 
And so I went back through the game, and all of the sudden, for the next week, I just kept replaying that game. I turned into a solo gamer. <laughs> you know, in October of 2022, that's kind of the, the time where I can see, oh, yeah, that's where I turned the corner and started playing board games all by myself because <laughs> I like to play board games. And I'm not going to pressure other people to play if I, I'm just going to play the on, game. Based on your number four, you scared everyone else based away. Based <laughs> on number four, I scared everyone away. And then I got into Guild of Merchant Explorer. So that was my number two um, game, and a game I didn't know would even play that well solo that just plays great. Well, and I feel like it's uh, cool because it's opened up a new area of the hobby for you to try out games yep. and, and do be um, be in the hobby without always having to have a game night, which yeah. I think is huge. And it's like, I think everybody kind of does stuff different. Like some people just like to read rules. I feel like me painting minis allows me to stay in the hobby without necessarily playing games. Yeah. Um, I think that's a cool thing that well, and then I have has a, worked for you. a new friend. It's, but I feel like it's an imaginary friend because he doesn't know that he's my friend. But Mike Delicio from the Light <laughs> Dice Tower does just amazing solo teaches. So I read I the rule book. Talk about the autonomy. And then, well, yeah, autonomy. <laughs> my, <laughs> my two new friends. See, I got two new friends for playing board games all by myself. You should get them together. Then you won't have to play solo games. Um, cool. And even my kids know. Like, so, Dad, is this a game where you can play while you have? The, the game on in the background, you can watch the Bucks and play the game, or do you have to have the TV off and just play the game? So my kids know that. Daddy, are like two is this a game we can play with you? <laughs> no, I'm soloing right now. This is Autobahn. <laughs> Sit down and learn about the German highway system over three distinct <laughs> periods of time. <laughs> so it's been a part of the hobby that I had no idea was coming, and it's been a lot of fun. All right. My number two is uh, a series of games that just floored me. I don't know what it's currently sitting on Board Game Geek. I think it's in the top three. And that's Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Um, we played through this and it was just a blast. Like, the twists and turns in that game and and that experience of, oh, I want to play another one. And what's going to happen next? And that combination of a, of a cooperative, number two on Board Game Geek, Michael says, um, that the idea of a, co- a cooperative game in a in a story with a narrative and uh, tweaking a game that you know and love in new and exciting ways it was just really unique experience that um, I will never forget that that thing and and people talking about oh it's a game that you play at a maximum. 24 times which you don't and then you're done with it like you cannot play the game anymore like yeah it is done and but the amount of value that i got out of that experience is unlike anything else i've ever played well and i have a copy that's new in the shrink and i'm waiting until my 10 year old is 12 she'll be 12 in the summer of 2024 i know that's bad to think of it that way but then we'll have a game group of four and next summer we're going to come together on Wednesday nights. And we're going to play this thing. Now that might not actually happen. Yep. But it's. I've heard so many people talk about this game with the reverence that you just talked about it, and it's something that I know that I want to go through with my family or even a game group. If it got to the point where my family was like, "No, we're gamed out, Dad. We're not going to be your little reviewers. We don't believe you. That's going to be that much fun." Um, I would love to go through this with a group. That's that's yep. awesome. All right. What's your number one, Michael? My number one, my love. Um, I, I, that almost came out really wrong. So let me try this over. But uh, 
you know, John D. Claire is one of my favorite designers, and here's a reason why. I had to go back and look today. I'd been coming to Game Group for a while, uh, six or eight months. I know I started coming to in 2018, but in October of 2019, you and I had just gone to a, a convention of sorts, and I'm marking my entry into the hobby then after we played Mystic Vale in 2019 at a game night because I can remember losing sleep over the game. I can remember in the morning thinking about how close I was and I should have pushed my luck one more time because in Mystic Veil, vale, when spoil comes out, you ruin your cards. But if you can push your cards and combine cards and, and it has this wonderful system where there are see-through cards that layer on top of each other and just that game brought me into a whole different fantasy universe inside of a box, inside mm -hmm. the game. And, and, you know, you hear people talk about Catan and Dominion, and I played a lot of those games too a lot of years earlier, but there was something about Mystic Veil vale that took that to the next level for me where I realized like, okay, this is something I want to start doing. This yeah. is, this is, I want to start putting in some time here. I want to start learning games so that I can teach others games so that I can do this. And that was... Uh, an experience that nobody else probably had at that table other than me, but I know it was a four-player game. I know the four people that were playing. I can tell you where I was sitting, and yeah. it, I lost. And it was just so memorable how that game unfolded and stayed with me through the next day. It, it, the only other time that I've had that experience, it, it was very similar to coaching basketball. If I make a good move or a bad move and it sticks with me the next day and mm -hmm. I'm the one who knows if it was a good move or bad move, yeah. and I had that at the table. Yeah. And I, I thought, this is incredible. This can actually happen? Yeah. Um, so that was my my number. Again, very selfish experience. Let me tell you about the time that <laughs> I came into the hobby. But, but, but he didn't win it, that game. <laughs> I don't believe so. No, I think, no. Um, but that was just... A group of people that, I mean, you welcomed me into your house. You, you sat me down at, at your table and taught me how to play games over and over, and I was very inconsistent in my attendance. If I could show up on a game night, great. If not, no worries. And there was just something about that night that stuck where, you know, suddenly now I'm, I really started collecting games after that yeah. and dove, dove right in. So. I, feel, I feel like I remember bringing it out and being like, I think this is a game that you'll really like. Yeah, you know, and and then playing it, and then that being the case. Yeah, you know, it was the was, case was really cool. Uh, well, my number one is uh, also an origin story. Um, I had to put Catan number one, yeah. which is, um, you know, we we went over to some friend's house, and they are a sweet couple, and they and they're like, oh, let's play a game, and and up to that point, my. The predominant games that I've played are categories, taboo, outburst, party games that you're playing with, with family and stuff like that. And and they're just sweet people, and they pull out this game that has very homely settlers on the front, and they're talking about setting this game up. And there's sheep and wheat <laughs> and bricks, and you're collecting what this did stuff. I get into and and as much of a, a it certainly has led me to where I am now, but while they're setting him up, I'm like, exactly what, what is going on here? Like, this is a disaster. Like, I just felt like such a duck out of water. Like, every judgmental thing that you could possibly think about what was happening to me, I was thinking. It's a good thing your filter's so high, and you didn't actually say them. No, and and after we got done playing, and we got in the car and we're driving home and I'm like, 
I need to buy that game. <laughs> yeah. I need to get this game immediately. I was like, I need, not only do I need to get this game, I need to show it to everybody that I know because it just turned on its head the idea of what I had grown up with, yeah. the ideas of, of monopolies and you roll a dice and this is where you move. And what happens to you is like the game was playing you instead of me playing the game. And, and the idea of like, I get to make choices and the and idea people of, can prevent me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and the idea is like, Oh, there's a little bit of, of luck that's exciting. And, but it's not throwing me off. And it's like, it's like almost like playing the lottery when you roll the dice mm-hmm. and, and your numbers come up and stuff. And it was just such a, um, you know, it's not hyperbole to say a life altering experience yeah. that I went into expecting the exact opposite. Like I never would have in a million years when they start pulling that out. And that before it was Catan, it was settlers of Catan and there's settlers. Yeah. There's farmers on the front and it looks bland as can be. And I'm thinking what kind of weird Amish game is this, you know? And to, to have that go completely 180 in the opposite direction and to be where I am now and what I'm doing in the hobby and stuff is, you know, I, I don't know how I could not put that on the top of my list. You know what's incredible? That in a planet with 7 billion plus people, a million people have had that same experience. That, yeah. that game has done that for so many people over the last almost three decades now. Uh, it is really a testament to the, not just the power of gaming, but the power of a single game. Yeah, that yeah, game. That, that's awesome, Doug. Which is also, uh, that's why I'm usually a, an ardent defender of it. I, I don't yeah. like. Oh, I am too. I don't I, like I that the, the hobby as a whole is uh, gets poo-poo face over that. It's like, oh, well, that's such a lowbrow game. It's like, no, the things that that game has done for the hobby yep. and getting people in the door, and it's still well, a great game. And this past Thanksgiving, I watched my nephew, you know, just get completely immersed in it. And then two months later at Christmas, we're playing Root, and he makes an awesome move to win. And so yeah. well, that it's it's still happening, right? Yeah. That that same experience that you had is continuing to happen with 17, 18, 19, 20, 25 year olds yeah. all around the world. Yeah. So um, those were some some awesome gaming experiences, except for the one where um, Michael crushed someone's spirit. The rest of them were all positive. <laughs> I had to reach out to my brother-in-law today and ask. He had a birthday recently, too, so I got to wish him a happy birthday. But what was the game that we played when, you know, I might have said something to, to, Taboo. Oh, yeah. We you really said, liked you, Taboo. You said things that were taboo <laughs> while playing Taboo. So those are, are, are our high-five gaming experience. Just want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Jump at, into our Discord. Yeah, that, too, at GameSchoolerU. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about First Rat. We're going to be talking about consuming board game media and our high five racing games. That'll be a revisit the first time around. Michael wasn't included on that high five, so we're going to bring him up to date. And there's been some new racing games that have Mm -hmm. come out since then. So thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We truly appreciate it. Now get out there and keep gaming.